Thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and additional resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here with all of you studying the Bible. We love to study the Bible. Amen. I want Cornerstone Worship Center to be known as a church that loves to study the Bible. You know, when Dr. W.A. Criswell, <clears throat> I don't know if any of you know who he is, but he's famous. He, I mean, he's in heaven now, but he was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas when it was the largest church in the world, largest Baptist church in the world anyway. He was a great old preacher and a great old man. He, and he was a historian and a, and a theologian. He announced one day, and by the way, he was from Oklahoma, so it made him really, really good. He, uh, he, uh, he announced one day that he was going to uh, begin preaching through the Bible. Preaching through the Bible. He, the congregation obviously or evidently didn't know what he meant. But what he meant was he was going to preach through the Bible starting in Genesis. And he did just that. He started one day. Genesis chapter 1. And he finished on a day 17 years later in Revelation chapter 22. Now that's a commitment to the Bible right there. I'm probably never going to do it, so don't hold your breath. But I'm just telling you, that's a commitment to the Bible. And people joined the church. First Baptist Church of Dallas, they joined that church and identified their joining not on the date they joined, not in the summer or the winter. They joined the church and identified their joining as what book of the Bible he was preaching from. Yeah, we came during Deuteronomy. Ah, oh, we joined in John. Well, we're latecomers got here in 3 John. Think about that. How that tied that people to the Bible. That's why we're doing what we're doing here. Just studying line by line through the scriptures. And uh, it's, it's a powerful thing. How many of you are finding it to be helpful to you? I mean, this is, this is living theology. It's not just head knowledge. It's stuff you can live. Especially if it's from Paul. A lot of stuff in the scriptures we're not altogether sure who they were writing to. Sometimes it told us they were writing to the Jews. Sometimes others. But if, 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 it, if Paul wrote it, that was written to McKinney, Texas, it does not matter what the top of the book says. Could say Ephesus or Colossae or anything like that. It's talking to you. Amen. Glory to God. We're in Romans chapter 4. Starting tonight, I have serious reservations as to whether or not we will get through the entire chapter of Romans 4. But we're going to do our best, take a good run at it. I, I'm thinking we might get to about verse 16. But either way, I think you'll enjoy it tonight. If you don't enjoy it, Miss Ann will give you your money back. <laughs> she said, no, I won't. <laughs> yeah, pray for them, though. Amen. <laughs> Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? And all he's saying is, what 
Hattie found, you know, with respect to him being a man. But did you notice it says, what has he found? It's kind of interesting the way these verbs are constructed. Because whatever Abraham found, its indication is that it's still in force. Whatever Abraham had found, the indication here is that he hath found it. That is, he has found it. That is, it's still in force. Whatever Abraham found. Not what Moses found. What Abraham found still in force. What did Abraham find out? About all he's really asking is, what, what did Abraham find out about his relationship with God and about anyone's relationship with God in that respect? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. Now, this is not talking about the works of the law. This is not saying that if he was justified by the works of the law. It's talking about if he was justified by any works, he would have something to glory about. Can't be talking about the works of the law because the law had not been written for 400 years till 400 years after Abraham. Everybody understand this? Right. Some of you may not realize that there is a Bible in this little tiny box. My kids have dragged me kicking and screaming into the 21st century. And I have arrived here against my will. <laughs> anyway, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. What works? Any kind of good work. Any kind of work. I mean, let's face it. Abraham was a great man and the father of our faith. Thank God it didn't say he was the father of how we ought to act all the time. How many of you read the story of Abraham? He's not the father of how you ought to act all the time. He's the father of how you should believe. Oh, I got one. That's right. I said, he's not the father of how you're supposed to act all the time. He's the father of what you're supposed to believe. You get this? You don't be acting like Abraham. You'll be, you'll be trading your wife off to, to kings to keep them from hurting you. He did it twice. Twice. He did it once in chapter 12 before he was made righteous in chapter 15. And he did it once, oh, help us. He did it once in chapter 20 after he had been made righteous by faith. Come on, anybody here, since you got saved, you did anything stupid? Come on, don't look so religious. If you've done something stupid since you've been saved, let's see your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, now you're getting real. So he's not the father of how we're supposed to act. He's the father of what we're supposed to believe. Can I have a good amen? amen? Okay. Can't be talking about the law. Can't be talking about how he acted, how he performed. He's a poor example of how a person's supposed to act. He's the perfect example of how we're supposed to believe. I want to get this straight. Got to, got to hold on to this. Verse 3, for what? saith the scriptures Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness one of my favorite pieces of scripture I know you've heard it five times but you're going to hear it again tonight because the sixth time it might just stick I mean getting this faith message across to, to folks is sort of like nailing jello to a tree I mean it just won't stay up there why we have to keep going over it and over it and over it. Listen, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. There's the secret. It had no, nothing to do with him acting righteous. It only had to do with him being imputed with righteousness. 
because God equates faith in him as righteousness. Not only right standing, but right living. It's just imputed. God says he's right standing and right living. We know this for a fact because of the second time Abraham did this in chapter 20 when he traded his wife off for safety. Right? The guy's name, the, the, Gerard is a Philistine uh, king. This guy, he starts, his wives are plagued. They, they don't get pregnant and he's having big difficulties, you know, and he's, God's talking to him in a dream and scaring the fire out of him. And he, so he calls Abraham and says, what have you done? Take, take, come take your wife. Go, be blessed. And gave him a bunch of cattle and stuff. Because God said, he said, look, I didn't know. He told God, he said, I didn't know she was his wife. He said, I know, you did that in the integrity of your heart. So go call the guy. Go call Abram, Abraham by this time. Go call Abraham. He's a prophet and he'll pray for you. Does it seem like to you, I mean, if you're just looking at this in the natural, does it seem like God's got this all confused? Abimelech's got all the integrity. God said, I knew you did it out of the integrity of your heart. God's saying, I know you have integrity. I know you didn't do anything wrong. But I'm plaguing you because I like him better than I like you. He believes everything I tell him. And I don't care how he acts. I just can't get over this. I've got a guy that believes me. Now listen to me. God does care how you act. He does care how we act. Don't misunderstand. How we act is real important. That's really what he's trying to get at, to change our actions so people out there in the world can see that we really are different. But don't, don't, we don't want to ever wag the dog. It's all the dog. We just don't wag the dog. We don't say that our actions are what causes us to be right with God. Our actions are what help us to be witnesses so everybody can become right with God. Right. Amen. You follow this. He imputes righteousness. He just imputes righteousness and calls Abraham, in that instant, calls Abraham the more righteous one. Oh, the Lord, this doesn't make any sense to me. Well, here's how it makes sense. He is the judge, and he can decide what righteousness is, and he has decided that righteousness and faith are the same thing. See, so when it says he counted it to him, I, I look this word, logizomai. Ah, here in the Greek, it's logizomai. It's L-O-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I, logizomai. And when you see M-A-I on the end of any Greek word, it's my, but it's ma-e is actually how it's pronounced. You pronounce every letter of the Greek language. Logizomai. And you even add some that aren't even in there. With Z, you put a D in front of it, generally speaking. Logizomai. Okay? So, I mean, I'm not a Greek scholar, but, you know, you learn a few things over the years. <clears throat> and logizomai simply means it is an accounting term. It means to give credit to or to account as or to, to log it in the book as the same thing. That's what the word means. Logizomai. Wow. To logically consider it as equal. Wow. Wow. So when Abram believed God that day and God accounted it to him for righteousness, what was happening was God was registering, registering that faith as right standing and right living. That means he called his accountant in heaven. Got to have an angel up there keeping records. I mean, they got books, right? Got to be somebody putting it in the books. So God says, 
uh, I want my accounting agent, come over here, uh, uh, angel, uh, come over here and open that big book. Yeah, find, find, uh, find Abram there. I mean, yeah, we'll make it Abraham pretty soon, but find him there. He ought to be close to the front, A, B. So they open that big book and they find Abram's ledger. And God says, look here what I have. Write down righteousness. Now you can see the accountant over here. He's going, oh, okay. Let me see how you spell F. What? Lord God. I, I can't be Jimmy in the books here. Anybody here ever done any bookkeeping? Huh? Bookkeeping? If you've got $6 on the table, what had you better put in the ledger? If you've got $7 on the table, is it okay to go ahead and just put six and stick one in your pocket? No. No, 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 no. Now, an accountant's got to keep it straight. $6 on the table, $6 in the book. Let me ask you a question, though. If you've got a half dozen dollars on the table, can you put six in the book? Yeah, why? Why, if you've got a half dozen, you can put six in the book. How come? Because it's the same thing. It goes by a different name, but it's the same thing. Oh, that's real good. I mean, that right there is worth whatever you paid to get in. He says, he says, write down righteousness. Account it to him for righteousness. Do you spell righteousness, F-A-I-T-H? No, I didn't tell you to write down faith. I told you to write down righteousness. Lord God Almighty, I'll do anything you say, but I have to hear you say. I have to hear you say that faith, not will one day become righteous, not will hope so make me righteous, not will if we put it in a good interest-bearing account make me righteous. I have to hear you say that faith is is righteousness and God said write down righteousness because faith is it's the only way it goes in the book as the same thing you want to know why we're faith preaching because we're righteousness preaching there is no way to get righteousness without faith it is the same to God it is the same thing only way he can count it as righteousness. That's why it says in James chapter 5, you know, if any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and any, any you know, things like that. And he, and, and he says, if anybody has sinned, if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now it says that right after the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Wait a minute, Lord. I don't, I don't see this guy repenting. You're just going to forgive sins just like that? You're just going to forgive sins like that? Well, it seems like it. It seems like it's easy for him to forgive sins when faith is in operation. I mean, didn't they tear a hole in the roof and let a guy down? Four of them, four of them looking through the hole going, I hope we don't spill him. Huh? Dropping the poor guy down. He's all palsied up, you know, and Jesus. And the Bible says it just like this. And when Jesus saw their no, oh, no. He had, when Jesus saw how right they were, how, how, how clean living they were. No, 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 no. He didn't have any op- opportunity to observe how clean they, li- they lived. They all might have had bacon-wrapped shrimp before they came. We don't know. Deep fried. Hog grease, glory to God. Woo. 
Don't tell me you want to be Jewish. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, so, man, I, I believe my tummy just rumbled when we thought. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins are... He didn't say rise up and walk yet. The first thing he said, when he saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Your sins are forgiven. Are you kidding me? Jesus Faith. And it wasn't even this guy's faith. It's somebody else's faith at work. He just said, okay, I'm just going to forgive all the sins in the house, I guess. I mean, I don't know how he does it. I just know that when faith's on the scene, he, he makes people righteous. Woo, I don't have to bark at you to try to get you to live right. All I got to do is get you over, over on to faith. I do not have to try to get you to live right, chase you around with a stick. All I got to do is instill faith in your heart and you'll live right, praise be to God. Righteousness will come alive on the inside of you and you'll be all the right you can stand. You'll be all the right your family can stand. You'll be all the right the devil can stand. For that matter, if I can just get faith working in, in you. Praise God. Amen. Because all the problems we have in this world come from unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. If we are to believe the Bible. And we are to believe the Bible. Amen. Let me just give you the definition, the, the Greek definition for logizomai. <laughs> to reckon, to count, to compute, calculate, count over. To take into account, to make an account of. To make an account of. It's exactly what God was doing in Genesis 15, 6. You should always, you should have it marked in your Bible, Genesis 15, 6. Genesis 15, 6 is the pinnacle verse in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. As far as Paul's doctrine is concerned, it is the premier moment around which the Apostle Paul builds the entire doctrine of faith. Righteousness by faith. That moment when Abraham, Abram, I should say, was made righteous by faith. Look at verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So now look, if you're working for it, whatever you get is not going to be grace. It cannot be a gift. I mean, if you went to work and your boss said, at the end of the day, he said, well, I got a little gift for you. You're going, oh, something extra. Are you going to think something, if, I, if he says, I got a little gift for you, aren't you going to think something extra? But if you open that paycheck up and all it is is the pay that you've worked for, you're going to think, you are a jerk. This is no gift. I worked for this. This is not a gift. You owed me this. Not a gift. I play the guitar. I play the guitar relatively well. And I've, but I've worked hard at it for many, many years, years, years. I've actually had people come up and say, oh, oh, John, I just wish I had that gift of music you've got. I said, you don't want this gift of music. You don't want this one. Because this one I had to work like a dog to get. This is not a gift. What you hear is payment for my hard work. Yes, now, when you hear Eric Holler play, you're hearing a gift. Got that from his mama. My mother, she had a gift. You know, I mean, she actually had a gift. She didn't play the piano. And the church needed a piano player. So the pastor, man full of faith, he says, Sybil, come up here and sit down on this piano bench. She could read music because she did sight reading in, in chorale and all that when she was a kid. So she could read music and her family was a bunch of singers, but she didn't play the piano. He said, sit down there. They all gathered around Sybil sitting on the piano bench and they laid hands on her and prayed for her in Jesus' name. And when the prayer was over, she said, well, let me try. And she started playing the piano. has been playing it ever since. Come on, everybody said, that's a gift. Now, that's a gift. 
I ain't got that. What I have, I worked for. If you work for it, you can't call it a gift. Now, I believe music is a gift to all people. I believe it's God's gift to, to all of us. But don't misunderstand. I'm not specifically talented in it. When you hear me play, that's because I've spent hours, hours, sometimes eight hours a day for long months at a time just perfecting a few little pieces. It was amazing. I'd spend two weeks trying to learn some little ditty. And Eric would go, oh, that's pretty cool, Dad. How do you do that? Well, you kind of go like this and this and this. Let me see. I said, well, you work on it. Come back, come back two hours later. He's got, hey, is this, is this how you do it? <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. <laughs> he's, he's just got, he's got a gift. <laughs> hmm. Look down here at verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believes on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now he's not just talking about Abraham. He's talking about a bunch of people in McKinney today. He's talking about a bunch of people who are alive on this planet right now who've put their trust, their hope, their faith in Jesus Christ completely. See, you have the same experience that Abraham did. The same experience of faith that Abraham had. Verse 6, even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Wow. Man, this is powerful stuff right here. I read this and I thought, you just, Paul, you're just saying it too, too graciously, too kindly, too easy. You make it seem like we could just run out and sin and everything be okay. In fact, he knows it sounds that way. In a couple of chapters later, you will, we'll get to it. He knows it's sounding that way, but he's driving home the point. So that's why I drive home the point. I know it sounds like it's a license for sin, but it's not. But if you don't preach it that way to the point where they're saying, then it just sounds like well, then we should just sin that grace may abound. You ha if you don't preach it that way, and push your audience to saying, to thinking that, then you're not preaching it as strongly as Paul did. You're still a coward. You don't really believe that grace. You don't really believe that grace will change us and make us right with God. You don't believe it until you push it all the way to that point. Because if you won't push it to that point, you won't push it like Paul did. He pushed it to that point. Can I have a good amen? You understand? Before we really get it, because our tendency is not to slide around and be... A, be and, and, and to be that way, our tendency is to be religious and try to beat ourselves up with rules, even to the point in some cultures of crucifying a man and hauling down the streets every... Huh? They do it in the Philippines. They get a guy who, who, who volunteers to be nailed to a cross so they can haul him down the street to show how pious they are. And when it's all over, they all go get drunk. And you can't blame the guy that just got nailed to the cross for getting drunk. I mean, let's give him a... I mean, he survives. <laughs> he survives it. No, they, they take him off of it, but they drive nails through it. You've seen this, haven't you? It's on the news every year around Easter time. They do it. 
And they, they drive nails through, and they haul him. He's crucified. And then when it's all over, they pull the nails out, and he survives it. And they've got guys running all over the Philippines that have scars on their hands and feet. They've driven nails through there. You see, because that's our tendency to run to that kind of nonsensical religion. If we don't get this nailed down, that working for it, no matter what you're willing to work for it, will never make it happen. No more than a mirror. A law, the law, I mean, the law just reflects who we are in some sense. But you would, the law, you can't rub it on you and make yourself get clean no more than you can take a mirror if you're really dirty and look at that mirror and go, man, I'm really dirty, and rub yourself with a mirror. It's not going to make you clean. Amen. Right? All right. Good, 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 good. Y'all are so deep. Had Abraham performed perfectly? No. No. He hadn't even performed close to perfectly, if you ask me. As if any of you men have ever, you know, sacrificed your wife because you're such a little livered coward. I mean, you're not going to be my friend. I don't care if you do say I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not going to be friends. <laughs> I mean, I just got an opinion about men like that, but, right? I mean, there's nobody, there's no, I don't know of one red-blooded American man who would even think of doing something like that. You, you my wife, buddy, you just come on, man. You know, that's what you expect. Abraham said, you tell him you're my, you tell him you're my sister, because you really are. It'll be okay. Uh, and I know somewhere in the back of his mind, he was thinking, God, you have got to protect her. I mean, somewhere he's got to be thinking, God, and God did protect her. Thank the Lord. But uh, his performance stunk. But it was his faith that counted. Right. See, he wasn't trying to get right with me. He wasn't trying to get right with JTH. He didn't care what I thought about him. He just cared what God thought. And he was just wanting to be right with God. Hallelujah! Come on. You don't have to get right with any religious organization or any religious, including me. You don't have to get right with anybody. You just get right with God. And you do that one way. Righteousness comes one way. It does not come a myriad of ways. It doesn't even come two ways. It comes one way. It doesn't come this way plus something else. It comes one way only. Righteousness comes by faith. Martin Luther said sola fide. That is faith alone. Yes. Glory be to God. Woo! Glory. Yes. Verse 7. Saying blessed are those. He's saying what David said now. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Ooh. How many of you are blessed today? <laughs> I'm blessed. You know, that word blessed there means to be made happy. To be made happy. Happier though whose, whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Listen to this. Blessed is the man, verse 8, to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now hold it, hold it, hold it. This is, oh, 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 oh. It's here. I have to preach it. I have to teach it to you just like it says it. Blessed is the one, happy is the one to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Is the Lord Jesus Christ and his Father, is this the kind of God that would impute sin that didn't exist? Would he impute a sin to you that you had not committed? Then this has to be saying, blessed is the one 
to whom the Lord will not impute sins that they have committed. It's the only thing that makes any sense. Well, how do we get that kind of blessed to see? This, now, now you understand what, how he was treating Abraham. He just wasn't imputing his sins to him. His faith made him righteous. God's not the kind of God to impute sins that don't exist. But blessed is the one who does have an account that God will not impute. I mean, I can't make it say something else. I know this is dangerous, and I know what it's, what it's saying to somebody who wants to go out and live a riotous life. But I didn't write the Bible, and I don't have a doctrine to defend. <laughs> that makes life so easy. I have no doctrine to defend. I just believe the Bible. If you've got a doctrine to defend, well, then you're going to be one sad puppy your whole life. I just decided I'm going to believe this Bible. And that's what it says. All right. Here we go. Moving right along. Why would he impute sin that has not been committed? Verse 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Now, see, we already covered that. How, how was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Who wants to shout it out? Uncircumcision. Uncircumcision. He was as uncircumcised as Goliath. He was as uncircumcised as the Egyptians. He was as un in fact, he was an uncircumcised Iraqi. That's what he was. First cousins of guys like Morbar, Gaddafi, and Ahmadinejad. Oh, who's the other guy? Saddam Hussein. I mean, he's you know pretty closely related to all these lunatics. And Jesus. God made him righteous while he was still like that. For one reason. When he heard God's voice, he just believed it. He just believed it. See, it's still that way because now God has fulfilled all and paid for through the blood of Christ everything that's going to take to make us righteous, to really bring us into his family. And now it still hinges upon you hearing the gospel, this good news that's almost too good to be true, hearing that message and somehow believing that it's true, that Christ died for your sins. That's what it means. Not, not just because of your sins, but in payment for your sins. Christ died for your sins to take away your sins. That's the gospel. Christ died for your sins. If you believe that, then he died for your sins. I said, he, if you believe it, then he died for your sins. He died for the sins of the whole world. But if you believe it, he died for your sins personally. Christ died for our sins and he was buried. That means he took them far, far away. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming back, oh glorious day. Hmm. I mean, I, I know that's in the hymn books, and that's really not the way it's supposed to be sung. Miss Velma has told me that I really butcher that song, but, <laughs> but you just got to hear Donnie McClurkin sing it one time. You'll like it that way, too. 
<laughs> Have you heard him sing it? Oh, nobody screams like McClurkin, man. Oh. All right. Where was I? Verse 10. How was it then reckoned when he was... Oh, there you go. Chapter 15 is where the faith part happened, where he was reckoned righteousness of Genesis. And then chapter 17 is where he was circumcised. So it had to be an uncircumcision. Now, chapter, uh, verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Now he's talking about you, ladies and gentlemen. Now he's talking about you, brothers and sisters, my family. He's talking about us. He brought us into the family of God by bringing us into the family of faith. Amen. Righteousness equals right living and right standing. If you read the, the uh, Amplified Bible, it says righteousness equals right living and right standing. And don't you ever forget that the right living is imputed as well. The right living is imputed as well as the right standing. Amen. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which, uh, uh, which he had yet being uncircumcised. I love this. Now verse 13 says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world, When did God promise Abram that he was going to be the heir of the world? All I ever saw in the Old Testament that he was going to make many nations of him. When did we find out that what that really meant, even changing his name from father to father of a multitude of nations... When did we find out that it was really about the whole world? Right there. It's the first time it's ever said. It's the first time it's ever said in the Bible that he's the heir of the world. Up until Paul's revelation, all we knew was that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. Not all nations. Not every single nation. Not the heir of the whole world. Right there is where we find it out. You see, this is why we have to study Paul's doctrine, because now we know what he really was talking about when God named him Abraham. That's the revelation you find here. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. You see this? You are entitled to the promises based on the righteousness that you received when you believed. You're entitled to the promises not because you performed well to get them. That's why we pray for the sick. And when we call people forward to pray for them and believe God with them for the healing, we do not ask, what did you do to get sick? <laughs> somebody, somebody comes and says, I've got AIDS. We don't go, well, are you a homosexual? We don't do that. As though they deserved it. 
See, it gets real quiet when I talk like that because half the crowd saying, well, don't they? Hmm? <laughs> Are you hearing me? Everything that we get from God, it comes on the basis of our righteousness imputed. Don't, don't misunderstand me. We need to live right. Homosexuals need to have their lives changed. I'm not suggesting that we just live any old loose way. That is not what the gospel does to people. The gospel causes you to live right. It causes you to live right. It causes you to desire, to desire right living. Amen. But the promises are there to draw us in. You never win people by hammering them. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Glory to God. It's the goodness. But some people never hear that God is good. Some people never hear that God is good. He's so good that His goodness is so much better than your badness. You, you put Him on the scale, His goodness just, well, I don't care how bad you've been. They don't, they don't sit there and go, oh, my goodness, I wish God was a little gooder. <laughs> no. Oh, His goodness far outweighs your badness. Amen. Some of you really ought to be saying amen to this. I mean, because some of you folks have been bad, I know. <laughs> Look at verse 14. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. It's not your faith plus something that voids faith. Did you hear it? And the promise is made of none effect. They cannot be mixed. This is the very reason why God said, Do not put a horse and an ox in the same yoke. That's called mixture to God, just like law and grace together, mixture. Tell people you get saved by grace, but you've got to go to church on the Sabbath or you're going to hell. Shut up, devil. Shut up, devil. Verse 15, because the law works wrath. I looked this word up, orge, anger, especially in the execution of punishment. The law works Wrath, that is, the, the, the anger is, that is ex especially expressed in the execution of punishment. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. I wish I had about two hours to preach this, but I want you to hear it. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace to this end. That is for this purpose. Here's why it is a faith that it might be by grace. Because the grace of God cannot be released to you unless you're in faith. The grace of God cannot be released to you unless you're in faith. Uh, uh, to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Do you know how many people are so unsure? I heard of a woman just recently who's in her 90s, loves God, has served the Lord her entire life. I mean, I mean loves the Lord desperately. She would never think of doing anything intentionally to offend him. But they talked to her a few days ago at, uh, about ready to go to heaven. She said, well, I'm really afraid to die. Afraid to die in her 90s because she's not sure that she's ready for heaven. What a criminal doctrine somebody taught to her so that she can't be sure. It is the will of God for believers to be sure. It's the will of God for you to be sure. I know I'm going to heaven, glory to God. You know why? Not because I perform all that well. And you ought to be thankful it's not on the basis of how well you perform. It's on the basis of the one I believe in who's already made it to heaven. And he's got his foot in the door waiting for me to get there. Glory be to God. 
In fact, it already says in some sense, by the Spirit I'm already seated with Him in heavenly places. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace for this purpose, that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Does anybody here have the Amplified Bible? Do you have it with you right there? Oh, do you have the Amplified Bible? Okay. Read it, would you please? Verse 16. Good and loud, Miss Linda. I'd love to take that verse read from the Amplified Bible, put it on a loop and recording and put it by that dear, dear little saint's bed until she gets her brain washed of that nonsense. Let her hear that over and over and over and over. Because faith comes by repeatedly hearing. All right. Well, I'm finished tonight. I hope you got something out of this. Praise God. We'll pick up here with verse 17. And verse 17, I mean, is a doozy all by itself when we pick up here next, next time. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Father, I thank you for these, your precious people. Thank you, Lord, for the, for the manifestation of your spirit here in this place tonight to touch hearts and lives and to make things new that had grown old and to to refurbish that which had fallen into disrepair. Thank you, Lord, that you've granted to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. And we pray, God, that that spirit will continue as your people leave here to mull over the Word of God and to fall in love with the Word like they never have before, to see just exactly what kind of righteousness that exceeds the righteousness that men dream of, self-righteousness, but this righteousness is the kind that heaven produces. Glory be to God. The righteousness of faith. Thank you for your people tonight. I thank you that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. First, not last, victors, no longer victims. Thank you, Lord, that though their enemies come out at them in one direction, they'll have to flee in seven because we're blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in our basket, blessed in the storehouse, and everything our hand touches prospers. Thank you, Father dear, that you cause the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as the people of God go forth with joy, building a better life in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, folks. Once again, thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. We would like to invite you to one of our services in McKinney, Garland, or Little Elm. And for information about service times and addresses, please check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. God bless you.